How can you find peace in a world filled with conflict? Find out in today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here today with co-host Joseph Kerr, and we're excited to join you today. It seems like conflict is everywhere. We see it in the headlines regarding Afghanistan. We see it in protests in our own nation. And we even live with conflict in our own lives and personal relationships. How can we find peace? Well, here today to help is Chip Ingram. Chip is the CEO of Living on the Edge, a pastor, author, and teacher of more than three decades. Chip has helped believers worldwide move from spiritual spectators to healthy, authentic disciples. He's written over 20 books, including Culture Shock, Marriage That Works, and his latest release, I Choose Peace. Chip, welcome today to A View from the Wall. Great to be with you all. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's our pleasure, and we thank you for joining us. You've written so many books over the years on marriage and relationships, heaven, identity. Talk a little bit about your latest project and why it's so important for people. Well, I never dreamed that uh, the timing of how God would uh, cause this book to come out at a time when there's such... I mean, dramatic need worldwide, as you shared, and inside families. I mean, whether it's in churches, mask or no mask, virus or no virus, red state, blue state. I mean, uh, should we meet in person, not meet in person? I mean, there's such conflict. And uh, I Choose Peace is uh, really a, a book that helps us grasp and understand that it's actually a choice that Jesus promised in a situation very similar to ours. When there was fear, uncertainty, um, I mean, whether it was financial, relational, uh, government issues for those early disciples, and um, he said, my peace I give to you, my shalom I give to you. And then uh, this book is about the Apostle Paul explaining to the Philippian church and to us, this is how you access that peace uh, during the times when you need it the most, and here's where we tend to lose it the most. I think uh, my brothers and sisters, like myself, are in desperate need of peace, and God has given us a word. Chip, you used the word peace, and let's take that word apart a little bit, because you also mentioned the word shalom, and that has several meanings in the Hebrew. So let's talk about what people think of when they say the word peace versus what God means when we see peace in the Bible. What are the differences, and why does that matter? Well, I think in the in the world... Uh, it's the absence of disturbance or hostility free from internal or external strife. I'm at peace. You know, relationships are okay. Your future looks pretty good. Shalom or the peace that the scripture talks about is a complete soundness or wholeness of health. And that's not just your spiritual, but it's your emotion. It's your, it's the harmony in relationships. It's being aligned. The peace of God is you are moving in step with the Spirit's direction for your life, for your purpose. And it even includes this idea of having victory over your enemies. The shalom of God, the very presence of Jesus living out and giving his peace moment by moment in every situation, that's the promise. And that's what we can take advantage of. 
Well, that's so much needed in our culture today. And let's get practical about that. We have a pandemic that's been going on in our world. We have divisions in our own country politically. All are magnified on social media as well, which tends to drive up anxiety and stress, especially among the younger generation who live on their phones and devices. Let's talk a little bit about anxiety and how you counsel people today in those areas. Well, it is. It's epidemic and... Um Literally, the, the meaning of the, the word, the New Testament word, has the idea of a divided mind. You're, you're pulled in different directions that, that cause this, you know, emotional and physical and what about and self-doubt. And, and it's interesting, um, if I would give one word, and, and I don't mean to oversimplify, but when anxiety knocks at the door of your heart, what we're going to learn is let prayer, literally biblical prayer, answer it and then run into your father's arms. And what I've seen over the years is many people that say, well, I prayed, I'm still anxious. It's, there's a kind of prayer in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It was intended far more than be on a plaque. He uses four separate distinct words for prayer and literally gives us a pathway that when anxiety hits, this is how to pray uh, that will cause that anxiety to be removed and the peace of God uh, to replace it. Chip, you make the point early in the book, and it's part of the title, that peace is a choice. So many people believe that if if all the conflict is just somehow magically removed from my world, then I'll be at peace. You're saying it's not about somebody else removing all the causes of your distraction. It's a choice. Talk about that. Well, the the title of the book is very uh, intentional. Uh, We tend to have a win-then uh, when I'm financially whole, when I meet the right person, when we can finally have kids, uh, when I can finally retire, uh, when the world's at peace, when my political party wins the next election. And, and somehow when all those things happen, then I'm going to have peace. And the fact of the matter is, is there, there's no end to relational conflict. There's no end to uh, the conflicts and challenges that we have. And so choosing peace is recognizing that dwelling inside of you as a follower of Jesus is the very presence and the power uh, by the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus. In fact, he would even say there in John's his disciples, and we, the Father and I, will make our abode not just uh, with you, but in you. And so uh, I think there's a lot of people that live their whole life struggling, fellow believers that really love God, but have bought into, I will have peace. And then you fill it in as opposed to, I can choose peace right now in this situation, in this circumstance. In fact, it's great. The Apostle Paul will say, I have learned. So, so it's something that you learned that's not automatic. I have learned to be content or be at peace in every and all circumstances. And, um, and then he talks to us about how we do that. And we cover that in the book. Well, you've been listening to Chip Ingram here on A View from the Wall. Stick with us for more right after this break. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. 
1 Peter 5.7 is an echo from Psalm 55.22. Both verses implore the believer to cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He is mindful that the burdens you carry are significant. God knows, and according to Scripture, he cares. God does not always release us from our burdens, but does promise to help us carry them. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and you will find rest for your souls. Watchmen, find ways to connect with strong believers. Share your praises and your prayer requests. Share your successes and your setbacks. And never forget to cast all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall. As Joe and I talk with Chip Ingram about his new book, I Choose Peace, we want to look at some of the key areas of focus that will help you as a listener. Now, Chip, you make a statement in the book that we are what we eat physically as well as mentally and spiritually. I love that word picture that you give. Talk a little bit about how the things that we consume affect us regarding anxiety, helplessness, and hopelessness. Yeah, what I would say is what most people, or at least a lot of us, don't understand is that we are a product of our thought life. And wherever our mind goes, in other words, we take in information. It might be I read something, I watch something, I have a conversation with someone, I, I have an experience here or there. Well, well those, those thoughts then really get translated into our emotions. And some of those are very peaceful, encouraging, that produce very positive emotions. And some are very, very negative. I don't measure up or what if this happens or, you know, one of my friends has COVID. I wonder if they're going to die or I watch the news and, oh, three people were murdered in my city. And then, oh, this is what happened in Australia. Not only that, there was a flood over here and the, the fires are burning in California. And all that input into your mind, our brains are made by God to solve problems or to deal with information. And so when you put a lot of negative things and not that they're not legitimate or we need to be aware at some level, but when you take in a lot of the, let's just call it the news, and your emotions are then informed with anxiety and fear and a sense of dread, and then it changes your behavior. In fact, uh, I, I cite a study by the University of Tennessee. It was a study of, uh, I think it was over 12 years. They had a control group, experimental group. The experimental group listened to just five minutes of radio every day, just five, that had a number of negative reports of uh, things that had happened in the world. And uh, over, you know, 10, 12 years, they tracked these two groups. When, after just five minutes, this isn't the news, this isn't videos, this isn't sitting in front of the TV for, you know, an hour and then another hour and then, and then reading it on cable or whatever, uh, those people were more afraid. They thought these things would probably happen to them and were less likely to help others because of five minutes of audio only. You are what you eat. And so the Apostle Paul literally says to them, after learning to pray in a certain way to experience the peace of God, he then goes on and gives literally uh, eight different key words where he says, let your mind dwell on these things. And the word is, it's an accounting term. In other words, meditate, ponder, think. And what I did is I, um, I took those words, I did a little word study, and then I flipped them to make a question. And I asked the question, before 
you let something into your mind, ask yourself, is it true or false? Will it honor or dishonor God? Is it right? Is it wrong? Will it cleanse my soul or make it more dirty? Will it renew my heart or will it harden my heart? Would I be able to recommend this to someone who looks up to me as the kind of Christian they want to be? And what that will do is it's really amazing. It will clarify and you can kind of detox. Um, just so people, this isn't theoretical, like everyone else, bombarded with all kind of stuff. And so literally until I think yesterday or the day before, I went on a seven-day media bath. Um, uh, no, no, no movies, no TV, no Netflix, no, actually the only email I responded to was just work email, um, no social media whatsoever. It is shocking, the emotional calm. It is shocking that things that you get hardened to that you think, oh, that's, I need to pause and pray, not just go, oh man, the world, the world is such a terrible place. And so I would just, I would just tell people, um, this chapter in the book might be the most important because we are a product of our thought life and, um, we need to be, uh, so careful. And I would just say to parents, um, that device that your kid's running around with, it's not just if there's bad stuff or porn or um, there's a steady stream of information that is shaping their brain. So we need to be very wise about what we let in our mind, uh, what we let in our house, and how we monitor those things for our kids. I want to take you back to the statement you made about Paul, that he learned how to be peaceful and he made the statement in Philippians 4, 11 and 12, I've learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. So flesh that out a little bit for us. What was Paul's secret? What, what did he learn? It's really interesting. I think far from psychology, what the Bible gives us a, is a theology of how to think. And we kind of live in a psychological world where we have a lot of feel words and feelings are fine. But what the apostle Paul does in his learning to be content with all circumstances is he understands first and foremost, there is a history that is linear and it's coming to a climax. And there is a God who is all powerful, all knowing and sovereign, who's allowed in limited forms evil for a season. And he has a, a kingdom that's coming, his reign and his rule. And so what the apostle Paul can do is he can have an eternal perspective or a lens and as I went through that, here's the four practices that the Apostle Paul, a truth and a practice that allowed him, his learning went something like this. Peace is not dependent on our circumstances. Here's the practice. Be grateful. Be thankful. You know, if you start choosing to be thankful for all the things you do have instead of focusing on what you don't, it's amazing what that does for your emotions. Principle number two was peace is an attitude we learn, not a thing that we achieve. And so it's be teachable. So I'm in a rough circumstance. I say, God, what do you want me to learn instead of why did this happen to me? Uh, the third is prosperity does not have the power to give us peace or contentment, nor poverty, the power to take it away. And so that's where we, we finally learn to be flexible. But I think we, we have this idea that, you know, the money and when I can finally own a home or get a better job, I'm waiting until those things happen have peace or contentment. And I think it's being flexible to say, you know what, Lord, you're in control. I have you. Now, help me to walk with you in the midst of where I'm at. Help me to flex and change. And then finally, is only Christ has the power to give us 
a peace that transcends all of life's variables. And that's why be, be confident, be trusting. Uh, you know, many t-shirts will say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and that's the, con- the context is God will give us the strength to be grateful, to be teachable, to be flexible, and to be confident and trusting in the face of all circumstance because of the power and the strength that already dwells within us by the Holy Spirit. We get that from his word. We get that from the community of God's people. And we get that by spending time uh, over and over in scripture. You know, it's don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Well, we're all afraid right now, right? <laughs> right. And, and, and the answer is because I'm with you. I think many of us as believers intellectually believe Jesus is with us, but we're not experiencing him with us because of the diet of our mind, the lack of connection with community with believers, and the reading of the scripture where we're reminded and our minds renewed. The spirit takes the raw material of God's word and makes it the living word in our heart where we actually experience this connection with the living God. Well, this is powerful information. We're headed to a break, but there's much more. Stay with us here on A View from the Wall. Jesus is coming again in an event known as the Rapture. You may be ready, but are your friends and family spiritually prepared for the coming of the Lord? We've created a new resource to help you help them. It's called the Rapture Kit. Rapture kits are designed to help believers reach out to those lost before the rapture and provide spiritual and practical information for those still here afterwards. Included in the Rapture Kit is a wealth of information on what the rapture is and how to prepare for what is to come. The Rapture Kit also includes several Bibles, eBooks, audio and video sermons on prophecy, apologetics, the Christian walk and discipleship material, all preloaded on a 32 gigabyte flash drive. Warn the lost about the coming rapture and help individuals in the post-rapture world be drawn to Christ, equipping them to become the next generation of Christ followers and ministry leaders. Learn more and order at rapturekit.org. our final segment today with author Chip Ingram and his new book, I Choose Peace, we want to share some of the implications and applications of living with peace in a world filled with conflict. You know, Chip, as I was listening to you talk in the last segment, it reminded me of someone I talked to just recently who was a middle-aged gentleman who said, I have about six years left. I'm funding my 401k and I get to that point where it's all the way filled up and then I'm going to stop and then I'm going to live my life. And I listened to him, and even though the plan sounded good, it left me with this feeling that something's not quite right. This isn't something that we look forward to, to someday down the road we'll start living our life, that we'll have this peaceful thing that happens in the future. Peace is something we choose now, today, and in the moment. And as we talk in this last segment, we discuss Bible prophecy a lot on this program I mean, we want to talk a little bit about how that ties in with what you shared today. What advice do you have for Christians who are living in what they consider the last days when it comes to choosing peace in turbulent times? You know, I think that's a really good question. And I think part of, uh, you know, as you study Bible prophecy, sort of the, the two extremes is, oh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I don't need to study that. Or the other is to read into, like, the latest news article or this happened and think that every, you know, every current event is actually um, something that's in the scripture. 
the fact of the matter is Jesus gives us a very clear overarching view. Uh, and there's certainly very godly people that would disagree on the return of Christ. But what all believers agree on is that he is coming back and he's going to set up his kingdom and he's going to bring about justice and that things are not out of control. And all the things, the, the deepest angst that we can experience in our life, what Bible prophecy reminds us is this. The Apostle Paul says, encourage one another with these words. And he says that to a group of Thessalonians when they wonder, because they don't know a whole lot, you know, the New Testament's not finished at this time. And they wonder, not, not like, what happens when, when our brothers and sisters die? And he talks about, you know, a real heaven and a, a real heaven and a new earth and, and what's coming. And, and a God who will absolutely make all things right. And I think we're living in a day where we need to stop asking ourselves, how can I get heaven on earth? Because it's never happening. Is The real issue is how can we bring a part of heaven to earth? We, we are agents of light and love. And how do we build God's kingdom versus our kingdom? I think there's something built into the American dream, guys. That's like if I do X, Y, and Z, and I'm really, really faithful, and I love God, and I pray, and even go on a missions trip, and I give generously, God owes me a good life now and everything's going to go my way. And um, you know what? The Bible just doesn't teach that and it sets people up for disillusionment. I think what you really have and where prophecy comes in is in the world you'll have tribulation and let's enjoy every moment of, of joy and, and whatever prosperity God gives us, but as a steward and recognize that we're in this intense spiritual battle and that Jesus loves everyone. You know, Second Peter, I think it's 3.9, he goes, he's not desiring that any would perish, that all would come to the knowledge of Christ. And so I think it's this season of prophecy where we say, yes, things are more challenging, worldwide pandemic. Yes, division. Since he's coming back, we also know uh, these are the kind of things that soften people's hearts. Um, I've talked to some people in the evangelistic ministry and pastors who've said they've never seen more interest in Scripture or more people come to know Jesus as in about the last 18 months or so. So I think the perspective is, you know, we live for eternity. Our Lord is coming back. In this world, it's going to be challenging. But we have a hope that cannot be moved and cannot be changed. And... uh Think about it. What's the very last thing that he said to his disciples, knowing they would face all this? I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if it weren't true, I wouldn't have told you. And then notice the heart behind it, so that you can be where I am. Just reminded that God loves us. He's for us. He wants to be with us. And um, the world and all of its challenges is coming to a climactic end. And that's the purpose of prophecy, um, to remind us that the days are short, that God is loving, God is just, and we've been called to serving in this season. And um, it's amazing. You know, we do a lot of a travel. I did a lot in China uh, about seven times in about a two-and-a-half-year period just before COVID hit and, and also in the Middle East. And, yes, it, it, it's challenging, but the fastest-growing church in the world right now is in, are you ready, Iran. Um, as we did ministry and the privilege in China, 
there is a hunger for God and for his word and for meaning. And I think if we can get our focus, you know, off ourselves and what about me and this, this isn't the way I had it planned. And I thought this was going to be nicer, easier, more comfortable and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Help me to draw near to you. How do you want to use me? And um, I think in the midst of that, in the midst of that battle, uh, we'll find great peace as we give our life away. Chip, we have many of our listeners who are watchmen and women. They watch the world events like you described and warn yep. people of the pending uh, judgment and their choices in the matter. And then they witness and try to live well in these last days. Speak to our watchmen and women. What I want to say to you all is uh, your work is not seen, but it's absolutely critical. Where prayer prevails, power falls. And um, I have no idea how all that works, but I do know this. Um, there was a lady named Anna who prayed and fasted, and she had one of the most precious rewards ever. And who knows what all her prayers accomplished in God bringing about his kingdom how our intercessory prayer works with the purposes of God, actually, I don't think we can understand. But what we know is an all-powerful, sovereign God has chosen to use the intercessory prayer of His people and weave those things together to bring about His will so that as we pray, our Father who art in heaven, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What I want to say is keep pressing ahead. Keep praying. Those are such great words. And Chip, we want to thank you for being with us today. Before we let you go, where can people go to find out more about your book and your ministry? Uh, You know, obviously, you know, uh, Christian.com or Amazon or livingontheedge.org. Or if they want to listen to actually um, a number of series right from this book, they can just go to the App Store and just type in my name, Chip Ingram. And we have an app there that has... uh, these resources and some videos and everything on it is free. We just want to help people grow. Yeah, so I want to encourage you as you're listening today to go check that out. And we want to thank you for listening and joining us as well on A View from the Wall. Listen again at IamAWatchman.com where you can sign up for the latest e-newsletter, download a free ebook, and enjoy our other resources. We appreciate your prayers and support to help us serve you and others. And join us next time here on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.